but I have distinct ones I remember. Um, I even had one Christmas I spent in the Bob Marshall. But uh, the one I'm going to tell you a little bit about right now is happened about 35 years ago. Uh, I think I told this to Carol Lee one time when I was working on that. So you'll have to act interested again. Um, but anyway, we were living on top of the mountain, and uh, we didn't have any electricity. But we always cut a Christmas tree. And because we didn't have electricity, we put candles on the branches, which is a very artistic and creative way to build your, burn your house down. <laughs> So my son was probably about four or five years old, and I didn't, I didn't just want to take him out and get a Christmas tree. I wanted to do the Marlboro thing, which maybe some of you old enough to remember the Christmas commercials that Marlboro cigarettes used to have of the <laughs> cowboy rancher guy going out on horseback and dragging the tree back behind the horse through the snow-covered mountains. And a little quarter horse Morgan Cross, 14 and a half hands, that I was stupidly trying to keep up there all winter long. So Abe's about four or five, and we take off from the cabin, and get to a southern slope, and find a nice bushy little fir, cut it down, and I load him back up on the horse behind me, tie a rope to the tree, and then drag that tree back. Fortunately, the horse never had nothing drug behind it before. So obviously, we went about 10 steps, and it was like, something's trying to get me. <clears throat> it went into a running buck. And Abe went skyborne off the hind end of the horse, head, foot, and about two foot of snow. So I jumped off the horse and made sure he was all right. Meanwhile, the horse took off back for home. We got to take the tree, carry the tree back ourselves. And I was thinking at the time, boy, this, this didn't work out so well. I thought, but man, think of the memory I made for my son. <clears throat> so about, I don't know, five or six years ago, I asked him, I said, remember that time we went and got that Christmas tree? He goes, uh-uh. <laughs> so, you know, Memories are maybe for special for me. It wasn't so fun. Everybody tries to, when they're, when they're young, they maybe try to imprint upon their children Christmas memories and certain things. A father one time had three daughters, and he constantly thought that he needed to impress upon them the fact that this time of year is about Jesus' birthday. It isn't about gift giving and Santa Claus and all. So he constantly reiterated with them, what's going on this time of year? All the preceding days going up to Christmas. And as he got close, and he thought, boy, he's really making headroads here, you know. Um, so when he got, and he constantly told the, the Christ story over again to them, when he got closer to Christmas, he finally decided, well, I'm gonna quiz the youngest one and see how much of a lesson they're learning here. So she said, you know, darling, if Jesus came today and he got to talk to Santa, what do you think he'd say? And the little girl thought for a little bit. And goes, well, I guess if I was Jesus, I'd ask him, why did I only get three things for Christmas and none of them were toys? <laughs> 
So maybe someone has recently said to you, uh, are you ready for Christmas? And I always wondered what that meant. Are you ready for Christmas? I mean, uh, I mean, have you put up all your Christmas decorations or does that mean you finished your Christmas shopping or does it mean have you mailed your Christmas cards? Or have you put your calendar on all the places you're supposed to go for Christmas? Or, and that's sometimes why people call this the Christmas rush. You know, they forget the Christmas season comes so hectic, they tend to forget about the real reason for the season. One night, a little girl was watching her parents do the same, very same thing. Just constantly running and jumping and wrapping presents and father was talking about Christmas deadlines he had to meet and blah 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 and, and finally she just almost got the feeling that they said to her would you please get out of our way and that night when she was going to go to bed the mother accompanied her to her and she goes you know say your prayers tonight before you go to bed she knelt beside her bed and she prayed this prayer our Father who art in heaven, please forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. You see, when you ask the question, are you ready for Christmas? You're asking more than about your activities. I'm talking about your attitude. Every once in a while you hear people say, or maybe even say it yourself, you know, I just, I just can't get into it. And I don't know if I've ever said it, but I know I've thought it. And what was the gist then of Christmas? You know, God became a human being. God expressed his love by living among us, and he talked to us, and he walked with us. That's what Christmas means. But what are the attitudes you should have when Christmas comes around this year? So I want to read a little bit from Matthew, the story again. And there's, I, there's, a sto there's a one guy in this story that I just want to accent about today. And he can teach us a few lessons. This occurs in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him his name, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what our Lord had said through the prophet, which was, the virgin will be with child, and he will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, 
He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The man I'm talking about here is Joseph. For me, I've always had a fondness for Joseph. I don't know, maybe because he was a carpenter. But maybe because he seems very humble and contrite. He doesn't stand in the spotlight very long in the Bible. And we don't know a whole lot about him. But Joseph still, from just what we can read about him, can teach us about attitudes. First of all, Joseph says, if you look at his actions, be ready to accept God's will, whatever it turns out to be. He was open to the will and to the leading of God. You know, you put yourself in his position. Joseph thought his life was pretty well planned out. You know, he was pledged to be married, which means that me, him, him and Mary had made all necessary arrangements and the wedding soon ceremony was going to take place. And he knew that he would marry Joseph and he knew that he would settle down in Nazareth and he knew he would keep working in his carpentry business and they would live happily ever after. Just think of that. That's all the plan he's got in his head. And then all of a sudden, his about-to-be wife comes up to him and said, you know what? I'm pregnant. You know, must have hit him like a baseball bat. He thought that Mary loved him as much as he loved her, but now seemingly she had been unfaithful to him. He knew the child was not his, and so the only conclusion he could reach was that she had been unfaithful. She had broken the bond that existed between them. And according to the law, Mary should be stoned to death. But Joseph loved her so much that he didn't want that. So he just decided to divorce her quietly. And he was thinking about this one night when he's going to go to bed. And in effect, this is what God says to him today. Joseph, the angel says, trust God because he is in this. You may not understand all that is happening, but trust God and everything will be all right. Joseph, then, was evidently a man of faith. But sometimes it's hard to live by faith. If you ask yourself, yes, I'm faithful, I have faith, think on this for a minute. If God always did, what we expected him to do, then maybe it's easy to have faith. But when God doesn't do what we expect him to do, then it's a little bit harder. And so Joseph basically trusted God, even though he must have had a list of questions a mile long. He trusted me God because he believed God's will, whatever was going to happen, was going to be for the best. 
You know, we find ourselves in the same position as Joseph. Christmas comes, it's supposed to be a time of peace, but there's conflict. Christmas comes as a time of joy, but there's so much sadness in the world. Christmas comes as a time of love, but man, there seems to be an awful lot of hatred out there. You know, we cry out like Joseph, how can this be God? Joseph, we, we, God says just like he did to Joseph in a still small voice, trust me, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and we may never understand everything that God is doing on this side of heaven. But God says, trust me, and it will all work out. Paul said it in Romans. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Christmas happened because one thing, Joseph trusted God. And we need to learn to trust God too. He let his faith, Joseph did, he used it like a seeing eye dog because he didn't know where he was going. But he followed it. The second thing Joseph teaches us is we need to learn to care about other people. You know, Joseph's assignment was a pretty simple one. That is the way we often portray him in Christmas plays. We picture Mary looking so angelic. Over there are excited shepherds, and over there are the wise men with their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And amidst of all them is the Christ child in the manger, looking pure and clean and contented. And over on the sidelines, Stands Joseph, and he might be pulling digging slivers out of his hands with a pocket knife. He doesn't have a starring role, but his part's so important, his task is to what? Take care of Mary and the baby Jesus. Joseph had the important role of caring for the needs, for the needs of others. Christmas comes once a year, and this season probably causes us to be more sensitive to the needs of others. But there's so much that needs to be done that we find ourselves frustrated. We still try. Maybe the first, finest descriptive title that we could give to this church or any other church is that it's a church that really cares about people and does something about it. You know, one of the favorite Christmas stories I ever read was just a short deal that a, a lady wrote in and she told about they were a young couple and they had an 18 month old son and they wanted to go spend a few days with their parents at Christmas and Christmas Day fell on Sunday that year and the young father had to be back at work on Monday morning so right after going to church together with their parents, the young family said their goodbyes and set off for home. There weren't very many filling stations open on Christmas Day, but they did find a truck stop that was open. So they stopped and they got some fuel and they got something to eat. And they went inside the dimly lit place and they sat down and they found out that they were the only customers there in this truck stop. 
or so they thought. But then Eric, their little 18-month-old, said, Hi there! Hi there! He was putting two words together. Hi there! And he made them into hi there. And every time he said that, there was a response from a table in an alcove behind them. And they heard a response that said, Hi there, little boy! And they looked in the alcove. And they saw this old, ragged, tattered-looking man. His coat was several sizes too big. It was old and torn up. His trousers drugged the floor. His shoes had holes in them. His toes actually stuck out. He had an old hat tilted to one side, and his face was unshaven. And when he smiled, it revealed that all his teeth were gone. And yet, for some reason, their little son was immensely attracted to this old man. And he kept saying, hi there, hi there. And every time the old man would answer, finally the man said, you know how to patty cake? And sure enough, Eric started patty cake. And he said, you know how to play peek and boo? And pretty soon, Eric had eyes, and he started playing peek and boo with the old man. And there was an instant rapport. There wasn't an instant rapport with his parents. And they felt uneasy. And the husband whispered to his wife, he said, you know what? Let's eat our food, and let's get out of here as quick as possible. So they gulped it down. Then he said, I'll pay for the food, and I'll meet you, get Eric out the door. So she started toward the door, hoping to get out with any problems. But as they passed him, Eric reached out with both arms toward the old ragged man. The old man, he sat there, looking up at the mother, and he said, would you, would you let me hold him? Really, she didn't have much to say about it because by that time, virtually, Eric had virtually lunged out of her arms into the arms of the old man. And he cradled Eric in one of his hands and he patted his back. As Eric put his arms around the man's neck and nestled his head on his shoulder, closing his eyes, the old man just talked to him and tears started running down his face. And for a long moment, he hugged the child. And he loved it. And he, as he did, he looked up at the mother and he said, you take good care of this boy. She said, I will, sir. Then he handed Eric back and he said, thank you. Thank you so very much. You have given me my greatest Christmas present. Christmas comes about because Joseph cared about Mary and Jesus. It also comes to us when we learn to care about others, too. So we have to learn to give whatever we have to give to whoever we find to give it to. Christmas came to Joseph because Joseph gave. He gave whatever he had to give. He didn't know that after Jesus was born, that he would have to take Mary and the baby into Egypt. He didn't know that he would be separated from his home, away from his loved ones, the people that he grew up with for a whole long period of time. He didn't know all the demands that would be made on his time and on his savings, his pocketbook. 
Would God, ever God ask of him, Joseph freely gave. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie called The Nativity Story, but it, it is the greatest movie I have ever seen about the Christmas story. And in there, most people don't, I think, fathom how poor, how literally poor Mary and Joseph were. But it has a scene in there, to me, that was particularly gripping, where they are taking off on a, and Mary's riding on a donkey, and he's leading, and they're camping for the night. And they have literally hardly anything. And he makes a little fire, and they get out some unleavened bread, bread, you know, like tortillas, and gets them out, and he brings it, her share over to Mary, who's sitting around the fire, and he takes his share, and he walks away from the fire, and with his back to Mary, he feeds it to the bird. Because it was the only feed they could find. There was just a hard scrapple desert around them. This is what Christmas is. When God gave himself, Christmas happened. When Joseph gave himself, Christmas happened. You know, there's nothing wrong with giving gifts, but the greatest gift there is, is love. You know, Wally, everybody had a child in their class when they went to school. It was either big, dumb, fat, picked upon. Well, Wally was this, and his mother had been an alcoholic when he was born. And as a result, Wally did not have all the mental capacity that the rest of his classmates had. But somehow, he managed to try. And so Christmas time came, and the class decided to put on a Christmas pageant. Since he was the biggest, and Wally was selected to be the innkeeper. Because after all, in the Christmas story, the innkeeper, you know, he's kind of a villain. So they coached Wally. He says, you know what? you got to be just as mean as you possibly can be in this play. Well, the Nat came for the Christmas play, and in it, Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem. They went to the inn, and they knocked on the door, and Wally had opened the door and said, What do you want? And just as mean and gruff as he could be. And Joseph said, You know, we need a room. We need a place to stay tonight. Well, you'll have to stay someplace else. There's no room here. There's no room in this inn. Joseph said, but my wife's expecting a baby. Any time now. Isn't there some place we can stay where we'd be protected from the cold and where she can deliver the child? No, said Wally. There's no room here. Suddenly, there was an awkward silence. You know, kind of the awkward silence when you're at a children's play some of them forgot their lines. And behind the curtains, you could hear the prompter saying, Be gone. Be gone. Wally was supposed to speak. But for some reason, he had choked up. And he forgot to say, Be gone. Finally, after he had been coached for several seconds, Wally managed to say, Be gone. Mary and Joseph sadly turned to leave. 
But just as he did, Wally couldn't take it anymore. Wait a minute, he said, you can have my room. The director of the play was ready to pull out her hair because she knew the whole Christmas pageant had been ruined. But at it, Water, Wal <laughs> Wally, better than anybody else, commuted the real spirit of Christmas. You can't have my room. Or as Jesus said it, you can't have my life. That is what God said at Christmas. You can have me. I give myself. That is still the greatest gift of all. So, are you ready for Christmas? I don't know if you'll be able to get to all your shopping. I don't know if you'll be able to attend all the events you want to go do. But I hope that each of us can get ready in attitude that I hope you're ready for the real spirit of Christmas. Because if you're ready for that, it'll happen. It'll happen in the greatest way of all. Jesus stands before us today, and he invites us to make an important decision about our lives and our eternity. He extends his nail-pierced hands, and he said, I have given my all for you. Will you give your all to me? So, whatever happens, Christmas will come whether or not you are ready for it or not. And the earth will make its 359th revolution of the year. And the day will come right on schedule. But will it come in your hearts? We figure out lots of things when we live on this earth. We figured out how to make a living. We figured out how to remain viable in a sea of millions of people. We have learned how to clean the air. We've learned how to purify the water we drink. We enrich the food we eat. We've adapted to technology. We learned how to program and use our computers, or at least some of us have. We learned how to operate our smartphones, and we figure out whether where we are at and where we need to go by looking at our GPS system. You know what? You know how to learn, learn how to all, how to get along with each other. If nothing else, this election year have proven that after more than 2,000 years have passed since the first Christmas, we still have we are reminded of the angel's message, peace on earth. We still haven't learned to live in peace with each other. So our greatest need this Christmas is to have Jesus formed within us, to live through us and to show us how to accept and forgive each other. How to tear down that walls that divide us and how to overcome our fears and our prejudice for others. You know, God expresses his love by living among us, by walking with us, and by talking to us. That's what Christmas means. But what attitudes do we have that make Christmas real to everybody around us? And it doesn't 
involve a capitalistic gluttony of buying and selling. Christmas is not for people that want everything and need nothing. Christmas is for people that have nothing and need everything. God is the greatest giver. We give gifts to one another because he showed us the source of giving, the source of all our giving was love. For God so loved the world that he, that is the reason to celebrate. And December is a good time to honor him for the greatest gift there is. And it was given to all of us. Let's pray. Lord, I know for me, and probably like a lot of here, the, some of the best time of the year is at Christmas. And we all got different reasons for that. Maybe it's because of the memories we had when we were growing up as children, or maybe it's of the memories we've had in last Christmas. But it's a magical time of year. But the attitude that we should take, or should have, should be similar to Joseph's. We should care for others, just like, and love others, regardless of who or what they are. To have faith that despite the way things look, that keep on trucking, keep on keeping on, because we may not like what we see, and we may not like where we're going, But that's the meaning of faith. That as long as we trust you, everything will work out. I pray that we have a joy-filled Christmas. And I thank you for each and every person that's here today. And I ask that you go with us as we leave here today, that we demonstrate the fact that we are Christians. And I don't mean with our mouths, just, but to reach out and help others, to lend an ear when anybody's got troubles, to act similar to Christ, even though that's pretty difficult. But I thank you for all the things that you give us, especially this time of year. And I ask you to bless us in our endeavors. In Jesus' name, amen.